Hello everyone, this is Sean Masters, Beacon from The Voice of Hope. Thank you for joining me today. This episode will be a little different from my usual format. Unfortunately, I'm in the middle of moving right now and haven't had the opportunity to set up a normal episode. But Sean Roberson reached out to me to talk a little bit about the Suede Playtest Edition of Savage Rifts and I couldn't pass it up. So, I'd like to welcome back Sean Roberson, the line editor for Savage Rifts, back to the show. Sean, how are you doing? Good, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, no problem, man. It's always good to have you on the show. So today we're just going to sit down and kind of talk a little bit about the Tomorrow Legion Player's Guide Playtest Edition for uh, Suede. Um, so, how's I mean, you got any info for folks on what it's been looking like? Yeah, um, you know, I, I will say, I'll, I'll start off saying, I think that we've got a really great community. And I know that sometimes with smaller publishers or gaming and I mean, even big publishers, right? Uh, there, there can be times when, when people get let down by them. And I know that there are a few people that um, they, they seemed a little wary when we said, oh, we want to do a play test. <laughs> um, but in the end, I think um, just about everybody's come around and they understand we really are looking at getting all the feedback we can to make this the best edition of the game um, possible. And so uh, that's been really awesome because the, the th- some of the, the best lessons that I can learn or that we can learn, right, is from listening to, to people who um, maybe have the most radical, uh, radical thoughts on certain things. And so it's been, it's been really great to get really well thought out um, feedback that is very informed um, with a lot of different ideas, um, even if we don't use all the ideas. It's really great to hear them and, and, and get, keep all that in mind. Awesome. The guys at Pinnacle have done a very good job when it comes to doing these playtests, especially with Suede. Um, so speaking of Suede, I mean, that's been a pretty big uh, driving force behind the revision. How's that affecting what you're doing with the TPL and then going into the new books? Yeah, so um, it's been huge. So. When, when we first talked about this, we thought it was just going to be a conversion document, much like the ones that, that uh, Shane has been releasing, writing and releasing for the other settings, the more established Savage World settings. Um, that, <laughs> as we're going through, um, that's a conversation that Shane and I had because I said, you know, that we've got a lot of feedback here. There's also a lot of differences that, that we have because Rifts really touches every world, right? Um, it's got some of the horror companion. It's got a lot, well, a lot of the horror companion, a lot of the sci-fi companion, a lot of, uh, you know, the even even concepts from the supers um, companion and the fantasy companion and, um, and a lot of other Savage Worlds games um, that might have their own setting rules and things like that. In the end, we, we made the decision, and I, I really applaud Shane for it. Um, he made the decision, let's start a new forum on the website. Um, you know, he hired me to coordinate the feedback and to to do a more, um, you know, a more extensive revision instead of just a conversion document. And uh, at a certain point, it hit 70-something pages when we released the first one. And... Uh, we quickly updated that with some some minor changes, some typos and things like that. Um, and then as I was preparing the third version, we realized uh, it, it was over 90 pages and, and we realized it's time to just work in the, the layout files, right? Work in, in, in the actual PDFs 
that we're going to release to the public. So um, I really wanted to release a version three of the playtest rules, but that's essentially what we've got now in a, a PDF format um, with what you see with the new Suede TLPG document that's out there for playtest. Yeah, actually, uh, I like the new document that you guys released. It having it uh, set up on what it, you guys think it's going to look like on release is actually pretty good for the visual, and it also helps you kind of get into the document as opposed to jumping through three or four different documents to redo your characters. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a big thing is we wanted to make sure that it was as easy as possible to navigate. And um, I worked a lot on the layout for that um, and as well as Simon Lucas. And, um, you know, Simon, Simon's been really awesome to work with. And, uh, but yeah, there, there's a big thing to hear that, you know, with Suede, um, at first I was, I was taking a real light hand when I was doing the conversion work or even the revision work. And uh, there was a point when, when Shane just said, no, Sean, you know what, you need to go, I, I want you to, to go all the way. As far as you think something needs to go, let's do it and let's play test it, right? I mean, that's the, that's the great thing about having this play test time period um, is that we can actually get everyone's feedback on it. And so um, that's been really awesome. This, this, this revision wouldn't have been possible without uh, the adventure edition of Savage Worlds and the rules in there. And it's really got, it really underpins it. It's really, really part of the DNA. Um, and I'd like to talk about that. I've got some stuff that I wrote out for the design philosophy that I'd like to share in a second. But yeah, the idea is that even just base mathematics and different things like that, the way that some of these power modifiers and their points add up and all that type of stuff is is, is integrated from the ground up in, in this revised version. Well, and it's one of the things when we're looking at a lot of these kind of revisions and stuff. I mean, heck, you're working on the base books because you've got seven books that you've got to go through in effect. So it's got to be a lot of work. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm used to revising the books. I, I'm sure you've heard the story. I mean, this all started out um, a couple of years ago, and I got, I was asked out of the blue. I'd, I'd submitted some writing and written an adventure, and uh, <laughs> with you know, it submitted it, and and I thought I'd never really heard anything back, and I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe they wasn't wasn't my writing wasn't their cup of tea or whatever. And next thing you know, they asked me to to work on the at the time, the coalition book, and it was a 45,000 word manuscript and only about eight or 9,000 words have been written. And so, um, the other two books, uh, blood and veins and, and, uh, arcane and mysticism were, were well along, but mine wasn't. And then, and then Shane decided, Hey, let's, let's go to 75,000 words. Let's put a lot more adventure content in. Let's expand everything. And let's update, every, every, update everything for the Adventure Edition, which, as you know, went through a lot of changes through its own playtest, uh, series of playtest releases. And so after for a while there, when we were getting those uh, playtest versions fast and heavy, I just had to put it down <laughs> and focus on, on, on more narrative or writing type tasks and just put down the, the, the game mechanics and trying to update those with each revision constantly um, it was better just to do it at the end but uh, yeah here we are and uh, so going back through the books one last time <laughs> awesome well and since your folk I mean like you're talking about with the revisions I mean you've got definitely got to start with the Tomorrow Legion Players Guide and the GM's Guide because that's the basis for all of them and you mentioned a minute ago like in 
design philosophy. I mean, uh, Sean Patrick Fannin, we talked to him, and he's been on when they were doing initial Savage Rifts and talking his design philosophy. There's been a little bit of a, a shift with Suede and the new revised edition. So what uh, what are some of the design philosophies that you guys have been moving forward with? Yeah, let me go over that. So, um, so a lot of this stems from from feedback, right? I mean, it's if it's a, if I say that the the feedbacks from Peg from Pinnacle Entertainment, then really that's their feedback on Savage Worlds, right? Um, yep. And then if I say that we, it's feedback that I got from fans, that's more direct Rifter, right? Rifter feedback. So, um, and, and, and sometimes it's people that don't even play Savage Rifts, right? They maybe they purchased the books and they never really played. They bounced off of it for one reason or another. And so um, the sources of the changes, again, we, it's either Pinnacle or the fans. Um, and at Pinnacle, I use that term very collectively to mean my, uh, myself included in there. Um, so with, with the fans, there's two major things. One thing is game balance. I mean, any complaint you get either comes down to game balance or it comes down to lore issues. Now, sometimes they're combined, but generally it's one of the two. If something doesn't feel like it's riffs or if something doesn't make a good game, uh, then, then there's a problem. Um, when it comes to the, the changes that have come from, from Pinnacle, um, we, there's two major things here is that we're, a lot of it, you know, it's just mechanics, right? We we're mechanically changing how things work. Um, the other thing is that there is a different philosophy with suede. So uh, the adventure edition, as you know, one of my favorite things about it is um, the fact that there's no comprehensive modifiers. Uh, I think it's, what is it? Page like 35. If I've actually, I don't know if you know this, I've got a print copy of the book. I've got the first one off the press. Um, nice. So um, I'm very happy to have that. Shane was very nice to give it to me. Um, but uh, yeah, so they've got like the comprehensive modifiers is where they said, hey, we're not going to do these big tables of modifiers. Uh, we're going to do it as little as possible for, you know, for instance, in the, in the skills. Um, and I think that was a really good idea. And so we're trying to keep that philosophy as that, that philosophy of paring things down, simplifying them um, as we move through, but also integrating things like the um, the way that the, the power modifiers work um an example a good example of that is the way that the, the mega power modifiers work now they originally um and it's pretty simple to people are playing right now i'm sure playing using the suede rules they're playing savage riffs and they're having a great time um because it you can make it work right you just have to apply a little bit of, of uh of thought and effort um but the initial write-up that we had um, Shane decided that he wanted to completely redo it because it, uh, the, a lot of the power modifiers weren't based on the same kind of, I don't know, like mathematical philosophy that was underpinning a lot of the things in the game. And it was, and it's hard to notice it sometimes, you know, it was really great when I was out there in, in Arizona because he could sit down and say, okay, well, this is why we're never going to do X. This is why we always want to do Y. And, to understand that it really made the game design that seems very intuitive in suede uh really pop and really jump out at me so that's been interesting um and i guess i'll just keep talking <laughs> no that that's good man i'm uh just sitting here taking it all in 
cool, cool. So, so those are the those are the sources of changes, right? So we've got fans talk about game balance, and and I mean the. I, what I mean by that is just if, if someone says, hey, what's this mind melter's messed up or the Mars character, I can make a better mind melter using Mars, right? Um, that's game balance. But in, there's part of that that's a lore issue too, right? Um, and so when we come in here, our primary considerations when resolving these issues is number one, what's really important to me and that Shane um, and Simon have been very, very, uh, attentive to is we really want to stay true to Kevin Symbietta's original vision and themes for Rifts. And um, I think that there's been, you know, there was the Sean uh, Fannin, there was Ross Watson, um, Clint Black. There's a lot of wonderful people that have worked on Rifts, the Savage version of Rifts. Um, and I've, I know all of them, uh, mostly professionally, but they're, they've been, they've all been really great to me, um, and, uh, encourage me with, with working on the series. And so that's been really awesome. Um, and, uh, Kevin Symbietta has been really great to work with and, uh, has always been very helpful and, uh, supportive. So, uh, that's been really enjoyable, but, um, you know, we do want to stick to that. I mean, we, I, it's very important to me that we're, we're true to that original vision and um so and the themes that, that that you'll find in riffs um the second thing that uh that's been a strong consideration you know is is that are these elegant rules is it fast fun and furious is it is it sway right and so um <clears throat> if say we look at a, a character and we're trying to make it you know so you might write something up that's that's a pretty riffs way to handle it, um, lore wise. But if it, if it, if it isn't elegant, then, um, a lot of times we have to take a second look at that. Um, and then an, an, one of the things that's been really important to me is emphasizing, again, emphasizing themes, uh, and character role diversity. It's really easy for characters to, um, sometimes do everything right. Um, and so that's been one of the things is 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 reining that back in a little bit so that every every iconic framework does their iconic thing really really well. That's the that's the core idea, right? Mars are a little more generalist, um, but uh, but to make sure that there is that diversity in a group, um, as well as uh, some of the big themes that I think are really important um, and that jump out off the page of of, of riffs and the original edition from you know 1990 was it one two yeah um, 91 first got um and so you know in that awesome cover um by parkinson um is i i see a lot of cosmic horrors there's a lot of survival horror um you know how much food do you have do you have a, a geiger counter right um how are you going to survive in the wilderness um because there's a lot of wilderness then there's the, the cosmic horror aspect of it. If there's these things from other dimensions that you can't really comprehend, like the vampire intelligences, uh, the, the Splugor, um, then there's a lot of Americana, right? There's post-apocalyptic, a setting like that is, is very American, right? Um, and then you've also got slavery, racism, freedom, the meaning of the Republic, right? With the Republicans and the coalition. Um, there's all these different these different uh, things that are uh, 
in, in contrast to each other. They're, they're kind of fighting over what Rifts is because there's all these different forces trying to take over uh, the setting. And then the, one of the really big ones that Kevin talks about is human augmentation. And so um, if you want to show human augmentation, you have to have a difference between a regular human and an augmented human, right? Um, so those are some of the, 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 the larger themes that I've been trying to keep in mind um, to when you look at things from, from kind of the, the, the high level, big, big picture. All of those things, I think one of the, in our first interview, one of the things you said the most that kind of hit me, especially dealing with like Empires of Humanity, it is, I mean, Rifts is definitely, you can see a, as a byproduct of America where it was in the 90s, but even a lot of the themes that are going on in Rifts uh, also kind of apply to the world we live in today, so it, it's some very interesting issues. Yeah, that's the crazy thing, you know, I remember when I was I thought a lot of this stuff, you'd think that it would age, but especially after, um, and I've talked about this on other podcasts, I, I, I grew up um, very religious, um, and um, much less so now, um, but uh, but I, I was a missionary overseas for a couple of years. Um, I was in the military um, and intel and stuff, and so I've seen how a lot of things happen in the world and how it kind of works. And, and it's, it's weird to come back to riffs. Um, I mean, I was just so into it when I was younger and come back and dive back into it again and just be like, wow, this was so prescient. This was so bright. And it's, it's, it's on the, it, it really hits it, uh, really hits, hits the nail on the head. And, and, and I don't, you know, some of these things, I don't know if they'll ever completely disappear, right? They're going to be part of our American heritage and our, 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 our group, our joint experience. Um, so I, I think those things are the reason that people come back to Rifts. It's really fun to talk about, oh, Rifts is everything. Rifts is the kitchen sink. But, I mean, there's a lot of game systems like that that you can just go and it's just a kitchen sink. And there's a lot of them that uh, you can find in the bargain bin, right, that, that no one cares about. And, and I don't think that's, that's, that's all that Rifts has to offer. I think it has a lot of depth, uh, a lot more depth than a lot of people realize. And it took me a long time to realize where a lot of that depth was. Yeah, no, it's uh, it definitely has been something that you know, like kind of like you, I've been coming back to it, especially with the Savage Worlds edition. But most of the people don't want to hear us pontificate about uh, the past and everything. Um, so some of the things with the the playtest version that you're going through and rolling in suede, I mean, there there are some kind of specific areas that that had some pretty major overhauls with the overhaul this yeah. overall design philosophy that you're talking about. But one of the big things with settings, let's talk about setting rules first. Like how how did you take some of the setting rules that SPF and those guys had come up with and then tweak them for Suede and what you think your kind of vision of what Savage Rift should be under Suede? Yeah. And, and, and I, I, and first I will say too, you know, when, when we were working on the, the Birchers and I, Sean Bircher and Robin Bircher, uh, as we were working on the three new books, the three new world books, um, we had some really big discussions on, hey, what are our themes and what's the theme of each book, right? Um, rifts can be everything. I think that, that in general, it, it is a, a, these few things, or at least some of these things I'm talking about. But each each different world book has its own focus and themes and breaks down certain things. And so I think that's one of the really great things about it. Um, 
but um, yeah, one of the, the big things is um, with, well, first off, there are some things that changed in Suede versus Savage Worlds Adventure Edition versus Savage Worlds Deluxe. And um, some of those are how easy it is to heal someone that's wounded and how easy it is to, to die, <laughs> right? To croak. And oh, yeah. It's gotten, and, I, and that's fine. You know, that's okay to, to change things, right? That's what setting rules are for. And so that was one of the first things is, hey, these things have changed. We need to recognize that. And then we need to ask, is that the right thing? If there, is there something that maybe doesn't seem right for, for rips? And so that's where um, blood, and, blood and gore came from. Right. So uh, looking at that, looking at the numbers, trying to figure out the best way to do that. Um, part of that also came from a lot of feedback. Right. So we have a lot of wonderful people that are giving us feedback on 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 um, riffs for Savage Worlds. And um, and one of the, the things that I, I heard and I now again, none of this is to detract from what Sean Fannin and Ross Watson have done because I think they did like they and, and Clint Black just did an amazing bang up job and it, my favorite game ever. I mean, honestly, um, it was riffs merged with, with, with Savage Worlds and it's just, it was, it was great. I was so excited about it and I still love playing it. Um, it's the Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah, man. And so <laughs> um, I don't want anybody to think that I'm like dogging on them, but it's a new addition. And, and also Shane um, has asked me to to do certain things, right? And and uh, he wanted me to um, emphasize, we talked a lot about high level design concepts and these themes, right? So a lot of this comes from, hey, if we've got survival horror, right? If that's an issue, then let's we you know i decided we need we i thought about doing some rules and there are coming um that people will see and say the the um game master's handbook and stuff like that but um it's and we ended up doing a horror sidebar so that people just everyone that reads that player's hand that that uh, player's guide they know that that's that's a big part of the theme right and and i, I think it's there's survival horror and there's cosmic horror and with survival horror you need to have limited resources that's that's the whole point of the survival, right? Is you're trying to you're trying to to get that Maslow's hierarchy of needs of your basic food and shelter and water, right? Sleep, um, <laughs> and um, the other thing is cosmic horror. So if if you can kill everything walking out the gate, then cosmic horror can be really hard to do. Uh, I mean, it's, a lot of people would say that it's really not cosmic horror. Um, and I've, I've been to conventions and talked to some really great horror writers and stuff like that. And we've had some discussions about it, but in the end, they would say it's more dark fantasy. If you can conceive of what it is, if there's rules written about what it is that it can be defeated, then it's technically not cosmic horror. And I mean, yeah, I'll buy that. We'll, we'll go dark fantasy, but I'm just going to, for my terms, I'm going to call it cosmic horror. Um, and I think that, um, that for that, you make need to make sure that, uh, players can't do everything right the, the characters can't do everything starting out coming straight out the gate and um we did dial back that beginning line a little um with some of the hero's journey roles and stuff like that which i see as kind of a editing those setting rules um but the reason is is we want to make sure that 
starting characters are a little easier to handle. I mean, that's kind of a side consideration, but it's also, hey, let's dial back the power level a little bit so that you can you can have you can tell those more gritty tales of early survival for your cyber knight and his you know glitter boy companion and 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 their their friend the mystic right um and i I mean i don't know about you but when i played um the original riffs (laughs) it was rough man some of those bad guys have a ton of mdc right you got two three hundred mdc robots and enemies and You've got your particle beam rifle does 1d4 times 10 mega damage, right? So um, there's a little bit of, of that too. Um, let me look at some of these setting rules too to make sure. Um, there was, so one of the big changes was there's, I mean, I don't see it as a big change, but we decided that conviction um, was was very similar to the, the previous mechanic uh, that Sean Fannin had written up. Um, where you could you could push your rolls by a d6. Extra effort. Yeah, extra effort. That's it. And so, um, so we decided that basically conviction is extra effort. Um, it's a it's a slightly different format, a little more refined. But uh, we decided that was a really good way to fit that in, and and without writing a bunch of extra stuff, right? And it gave us room to put in um, the blood and gore uh, setting rule. Uh, more skill points, I think anyone would, would, would see how that's, uh, as a setting rule, that that's going to help out with rifts. So even if your character is illiterate, they, they're probably very technically savvy in whatever they're doing. Um, so it is, it, there's a lot of uh, points needed for all the different high-tech gear and stuff like that that's going on. Um, wound cap is one that, a new one that we introduced um so you can't suffer more than four wounds from a single hit and the reason for this is is uh, there's a lot of vehicle whenever you've got vehicle sized <laughs> weapons you know uh getting thrown around by characters um especially from from day one when you're a novice uh you have to be very careful about that completely obliterating a player character or maybe an enemy wild card at the same time right so wound cap really helps that to happen because as long as you've got your bennies for as the game master for instance or the player you've got your bennies for your character for your wild cards they have all, all have their own bennies and then the game the game master also has a pile of bennies for uh, his side in general and so um wound cap means that even if a glitter boy um hits your your big bad right out the gate you can easily throw out uh, some bennies and you can you can soak that and have a good chance of soaking a good number of those, especially if you throw one or two bennies into a reroll. Um, and I think that's an important consideration that we don't have the rogue scholar just because someone got a lucky shot is you know and and, and dealt eight wounds after acing right um, <laughs> before that yeah. has been before certain. That but with wound cap that really changes the game and there's been a real big discussion on the discussion boards about um the proliferation of of weapons that do mega damage um especially with with the new blood and gore rule which introduces um the gritty damage for someone that gets hit by mega damage and they're not wearing mdc armor they take they, they they can take an injury um for the gritty damage 
You know, it's funny, uh, my online game, we've actually been playing with uh, gritty damage for a while, so uh, a lot of the discussions about blood and gore, I was like, oh, hey, that's nice. That only just applies to mega damage weapons as opposed to all damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't think it was appropriate to, to apply to all damage, and it just doesn't, again, it, it doesn't seem like rifts. If someone's not making a called shot versus the cyborg, the combat cyborg, you know, as opposed to like a partial reconstruction or something, um, that doesn't that doesn't quite feel right. Or or if you're shooting, you know, the dragon, right, gets hit by something uh, crazy. But um, but yeah, I, I think that I think in the end it's it's a it's a nice middle ground. And uh, I had this really interesting experience. There was someone who emailed the team while we were doing the Kickstarter. And he had no idea about sat how Savage Worlds works, right? He had no idea about Savage Rifts, but I was already working on this document and we had already released um, the early playtest, what was at that point basically a word file and uh, just changes, change list. And uh, he asked, how is this going to work if, if you've got my combat cyborg and, and you know, have a combat cyborg and a, a city rat, a mouthy city rat, and the city rat mouths off to the, uh, to the combat cyborg and the so combat cyborg slash him across the face. What does that mean? How does that work in, in savage riffs? Right. And so the team passed the, the question on to me and I responded saying, well, you know, with our new uh, blood and gore rule, what that means is that when the cyborg, the combat cyborg decks, the, the mouthy city rat, um, he could very possibly be permanently injured uh or yeah. or disabled which that seemed right and it, it, that was one of those times when it was a, a revelation very early on and the feedback we got very positive and, and there have been people that have said oh, i think it's too much but actually a lot of the play testers once they play test it we get very different reactions when they come back and it's been really interesting to see how that feedback has gone so um, that's cool that you guys played it. I think it's it was a cool a cool thing to play with. Um, but in the end, I think that you know just that kind of a little bit more of a middle ground um, works for blood and gore. Um, the, you know the new blood and gore rule as opposed to the full fledged gritty damage. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, gritty damage was pretty rough. There's been multiple occasions with uh, my cyber knight, and I've got the upgrade that gives him MD uh, mega damage. Uh, cyber armor and even getting hit you know by like uh coalition forces and stuff like that it it hurt <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's one of the things that that from the play tests um too that we realized was the juicer and the a crazy again one of these these themes is human augmentation so the juicer the crazy the combat cyborg um well the combat cyborg is a perfect example because he, he ignores it since he has mega damage armor. Um, the juicer and the crazy though, they don't, but they quickly recover it using their special regenerative abilities. And then there was the cyber knight and he didn't have something like that, right? Or she, I mean, you know, whatever. But um, that was when I decided, hey, let's have that cyber armor have one more little effect. And that's that when they activate their cyber armor, they're immune to the grit to the gritty damage setting. 
effects. Huh, I actually missed that. <laughs> a lot of people probably missed that, but it's there. <laughs> and it's something that, that, that it definitely uh, keep, in, keep in mind as we work on these different augmented humans is how are they going to deal with the gritty damage? And I don't think the right answer necessarily, if you're playing that kind of in between a tank and, 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 and a squishy, um, I think that there's there's some cool middle ground that can be explored with all the different types of characters. So I think that's a lot of fun. So um, like a so like a glitter boy in the situation takes damage. Of course, it's most likely mega damage. So the character is going to probably. be gritty, and he's also going to have technical difficulties to deal with. Well, I mean, in the case of the glitter boy, if he's wearing his his suit, he's not going to because he's wearing mega damage armor, right? So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it doesn't apply in that case. Okay, cool. Well, of course, talking about the gritty damage and blood and gore rules, that actually kind of leads into, uh, you kind of mentioned that the, there's been some discussion about the proliferation of mega damage weapons. I mean, like of yeah. all like of all the weapons and stuff, I mean, standard rifts, everything is mega damage unless you're using an M16 and then people look at you like you're crazy. Right. But, uh, like, some of the changes, like, there for a while you were looking at, uh, like, ion weapons having mega damage. Um, now, mind you, I thought, uh, I liked ion weapons. I thought there could have been a couple tweaks done to them to make them slightly more yeah. different than lasers. But uh, what drove some of your decisions on what weapons you decided to make mega damage and other ones you didn't? Yeah, well, so, I mean, some of the things we do get feedback about is, hey, um, I can't my infantryman can't hurt the big stuff, right? So even if you have an ally that casts a spell or you've taken cover or whatever, right? Um, a lot of these characters don't re didn't really have an option to even try to hurt the, say, a, a coalition soldier in Samus power armor. Um, and so that was one of the considerations is, okay, we do want a few more player-facing options where they can take these weapons that, that can fight back, right? They can, they can have a little bit of sting in what they're doing. Um, and so, you know, everything's a, a lot of times in game design, um, as in life, a lot of things are a pendulum. You, know, you swing one way and then you swing back a little more and you find that kind of that balance, that sweet spot. And so I think that's what really happened with a lot of the ion weapons now. Um, one of the interesting things is that um, I, I think drove a bit of this is that um, I also, before particle beam weapons were basically just laser weapons. And um, I thought, hey, you know, we do have really cool items in the sci-fi companion and, and in fear agent, um, the disintegration weapons, which I think really fit that theme for, for particle beam weapons and a lot of times in the in the lore if you want to have a chance of damaging a tank or a, side, a combat cyborg or something like that you, you start packing something like plasma particle beams um, I think some of it too is just um, you know the, the, it's I don't think it was as much proliferation as some people thought but um, when you looked when you sat down and looked at it but um, but yeah the, a lot of those things split off and, and we decided um you know, I decided uh, let's not do mega damage for pistols in general. With you have to say like ion uh, pistols, those aren't going to do mega. Um, the uh, the pump weapons we looked at doing some mega damage for those for a little bit, but um, the the tracks pump weapons like with yep. TX5, TX10, I think. Um, 
Um, and so the, those, uh, I did remove that mega damage because I thought, you know, it's actually, it's more of supposed to be on the par with like a laser rifle, you know, this other technology. Um, and so there was a, a little bit of walking back there and it looks like what we're probably going to be doing is instead of ion rifles just doing mega damage, um, like some of the um, laser weapons already had, if you had a pulse setting, you could do mega damage. And so I think that's a good, there's a lot of weapons when you played traditional rifts um, that if you really wanted to deal that 6d6 or 1d4 times 10 damage, you needed to go get a, an ion pulse rifle or a laser pulse rifle. Right, so that you could you could hang with the big boys. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I I'm glad you brought up the uh, particle beams. I did like your guys's changes on them because you know initially like it's like hmm these don't really differ all that much. Um, Nova Praxis actually had their rule set. They did some really good things with uh, particle beams that I was going to bring oh. in. I haven't, but, I haven't seen. Them. Yeah, it's pretty good, and but you guys captured some of them by like increasing the uh, bonus damage uh, when you when you ace and stuff like that. So some similar ideas, and uh, your discussion about the overcharging for like ion weapons, you know, since they're mirrored after shotguns, that kind of makes sense too. That you know, like shotguns, you can either use scatter or you can use a solid that does longer range but a less and less damage. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an interesting idea. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where, again, it was the first thing I thought of was, okay, what was the original? What had that feeling in riffs when when we originally played it, right? Like thirty years ago. <laughs> so um, looking at that and saying, okay, well, that's interesting. And then how can we do this elegantly? And and that was the, the solution um, to that. And I, I mean, you do have. For instance, the um, the Gladiator exoskeleton, which is basically light power armor, but it has mega damage uh, armor. Um, and, and then you've got the combat cyborg, right? It's not. I mean, it's 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 almost a tank. It's not quite a tank. It's still a man, but it's basically. And so that's kind of where these are are going in. Is that uh, you've got these? There are a few energy weapons in that direction, but most of them got reduced less common. A little more expensive than laser weapons. Yeah. So most of your um, your guys aren't gonna. Most of your opponents aren't gonna be carrying them commonly. Um, of course, the bane of uh, the mega damage bane for any infantryman is grenades. <laughs> yeah, uh, grenades are just mean. However, you roll. I mean, that's how grenades should be in any game, I think. But uh, yeah, grenades are, are brutal, and we didn't. That didn't change at all, right? I mean, I've, I've had people talk about that. I'm like, well, plasma already did mega damage. Plasma weapons already did mega damage. Grenades already did mega damage. That's that's not new. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some things over the last couple of years uh, when people are talking about like that coalition troopers, coalition squad isn't really anything to to their folks, and I'm like. Uh, so are you using their grenades? They're like, everybody's like, oh, I forget they have them. It's like, yeah, that's the great equalizer. Yeah, that's uh, one of those things is, is 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 the way that we present troop formations um, and stuff like that. And as someone who was in the military, it, it, it it's very interesting. Um, and some of that is how we set up scenarios in adventures, right? And we set up the tactics that the coalition are going to be using. 
Um, the other thing that I'm working on right now is actually right now is um, finalizing a lot of lists so that they they include, hey, this is each squad has a designated marksman and a heavy weapons guy and X Y Z, right? So that you know that what their general loadouts are, uh, and you'll see. I think I think you're going to see that in a lot of the future adventures, um, but hopefully, game masters will also have the sense to say, oh, hey, you know. This is the standard squad loadout that I'm seeing that they're talking about in this book. Let's make sure that we extend that to the different scenarios that I might run in my own personal game. Because, yeah, if you take just 10 grunts, and sure, you and yeah, the, if you think of them that way, you're going to start doing things like forgetting the fact that they're even carrying grenades, right? Um, and, and run them that way, it's not going to be very interesting. But if you have uh, a designated marksman, with a sniper weapon, if you have a heavy a heavy weapons guy um, and a special weapons guy, I mean, kind of to use like uh, your Warhammer 40,000 terms, but that's basically based on modern combat anyways. Um, and then you've also got, um, does, the, does their lieutenant, does he have command edges, right? Um, and that's one of the things exactly working on to make be That's gonna be very easy for people to integrate into their games now. Um, and so I'm really excited about that in the future. And I'm, I'm hoping this edition is much more tactical um, when it comes to, to firefights between different groups. That's cool. Actually, one of the one of the really interesting things in the original Rift source book, there was like a page that they put in the standard coalition squad layouts. And it's funny when they mm-hmm. did the re- when they did the revised version of that, that page disappeared. And I like the, co- oh. the coalition war machine doesn't have their squad breakouts. The none of the coalition war books have the normal squad breakouts. So it's funny that that just disappeared after like ten years. Yeah, that is weird. And I'm looking at it right now because it's on tw- page 27 of the original source book. Um, yeah, because they've got the the short range reconnaissance squads. They've got the light mechanized, the dog pack recon, heavy mechanized recon. And then they've got like the seek and destroy, <laughs> um, elite seek and destroy, and that's where it gets special forces espionage, uh, mechanized search and destroy. I mean, it's there's it's really interesting because you're right. Um, uh, that's how I grew up. Was that's how we treated coalition squads is could get really scary, right? Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely something that I want to make sure we have people to see. Cool. And of course, the nice thing with, this is going to sound weird, but the nice thing with blood and gore and the increase in mega damage weapons also leads it more often to pe- people to potentially still use the Blaze and Glory rule set. <laughs> Isn't that interesting, right? Um, and there's an in- a big incoming change. Um, so, in, and, you know, hopefully the soldiers will be excited. Uh, in, 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 in deluxe Savage Worlds, you died if you rolled uh, one uh, less than a one, I think one or less on the um, the save, the vigor check to bleed out. Right now, yep. it's you only die if you roll a critical failure. That's a lot less common, especially now that with blood and gore, we're applying wound penalties to your checks, like like um, it worked previously in deluxe edition. So. Um, one of the things that I think you're going to see is people rolling still on the death and defeat table 
just as much because we're kind of rolling back those those uh, those changes in um, in in suede riffs, so that it is a, a more of a gritty, uh, a little more gory setting. But uh, there's also a huge update to the death and defeat table coming in the next major update. So oh, um, okay. I'm really excited. Well, and that's one of the things I think when you look at Savage Rifts, you know, original Rifts, Savage Rifts, there's kind of this spectrum of, you, you know, you can do the, the real grim and gritty uh, individual soldier, or you can kind of go up to the, like, X-Men, superpower, you know, superheroes kind of level, which I think is kind of where uh, it's been focused a little bit more for, for the past. Yeah, and I don't think that's a bad thing, right? I think it's really great. You can do a lot of things with riffs, and riffs can be a lot of things to a lot of people. And depending on, for instance, which which um, dimension book, right, you pulled out, you could get space opera in Phase World, or you could get something just really, you know, hellish uh, with Wormwood. Um, but uh, walking back the line um, for the starting power level for characters, and including things like blood and gore and um the way death and defeat works the intention is that you could that there's just more options there right and so i am working on um the in the game masters handbook having uh, uh there's a sidebar where we're going to have um kind of like in the superpowers companion where hey if you four color heroes or you want a superheroes or street level uh supers you can do these different things in your campaign. I'm going to have a sidebar at, by you know, popular request where we can say, hey, if you want this kind of a game, do this many hero journey rolls, start out with this power level, and you can go you know, fight a vampire intelligence in your first session if you want, right? I mean, whatever you want to do. Um, That's kind of cool. Yeah, so I, I, I think that making sure that people have the guidelines of the is important to them. And that's one of the great things about having this feedback. Um, the other thing about setting rules is, you know, if blood and gore doesn't work for you, you just don't have to use the setting rule, right? Uh, or if you think that wound cap isn't enough and you have your bad guys getting killed too much, and one of the things I think you, I've seen you talk about on the, the forums uh, um, is is using, um, what is it? It's not, what is it? It's called... Uh, Fanatics. Fanatics. I was got. I was thinking of the Warhammer Forty Thousand term. Look out, sir. Um, but yeah, you have the fanatics, and so I think that's a really great rule if you have a problem with, it, right? Um, and it makes sense in riffs, especially with a lot of the really bad bad guys. That makes one hundred percent total sense. Um, just like blood and gore isn't gritty damage all the way, you can totally do that with your setting where you 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 pull in. Hey, I need this thing to help set this issue um you know i could see someone saying um hey let's do let, let's see let me look at the setting quick make sure i don't butcher the names early so we are doing this recording early so i'm a little tired <laughs> sorry about that no 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 it's totally cool i just want to make sure everybody knows i actually do know what's happening um <laughs> but for instance um let's see high adventure right so the high adventure you could uh setting rule you could spend a benny to game a one-time use of a combat edge uh i could see a game master saying you know what i'm gonna do high adventure for all my mars heroes that's cool that's cool 
right? And that would be, hey, let's do that. Or I could see someone saying, hey, you know what? Let's do multiple languages because our characters are going to be running around Europe and Britain and South America. Um, there's a lot of things that a lot of these could be applied to a, a Rifts campaign. And I think the game masters need to take a look at that when they're when they're building their campaign, when they're looking at their group makeup and the kind of adventures the players want to run. That's that's what setting rules are for, you know, um, is to customize it to the needs of your table and your group and the, and the, the look and feel that you want for your game. So I definitely say take a look at some of this stuff, just like we said, hey, we've definitely got I was talking to Clint Black about it. And we decided, yeah, man, dynamic backlash. That needs to happen at ley lines and nexus points. So it does. It's again, it's it's, it's a it's kind of a a, a step uh, application of some really big setting rules that are possible. Cool. Well, speaking of that, and one of the other big areas that's uh, had some changes both with Suede, probably the biggest change in Suede, but also uh, cascading into Rifts is Magic and Powers. So I really like, uh, where there's a lot of discussion, I really like how you guys did turn the Mega Powers into Mega Power Modifiers. Um, how did that process go in setting that up? Oh, I also like the fact that you guys actually put uh, rituals and all that kind of stuff into the basic uh, basic game as well. So, but I'll turn it over Thanks. to you. Yeah, so the basically the way this happened was, now originally we were going to be putting, I mean, we didn't think there was going to be a second edition, right? We didn't think there was going to be a revised um, version of the core books. So uh, Sean Bertrand and I, and uh, Robin, we all emailed and talked about it. And Sean and I were yeah, let's put it in um, Arcana and Mysticism because we need to have it. And that seemed like the book that it would fit in best, right? It's people say, hey, this is where, here's your new updated list for if you're playing with the suede rules. Makes sense. Um, which was, and it was, I mean, it was very serviceable. It was basically, as I've seen many um, of the more active groups like at savagerifts.com and stuff like that, they've, they've basically, there's been plenty of players that have said, hey, here's how you can do it, right? Um, with mega power modifiers. Um, and that's basically what was written up. And Sean had some really cool ideas for um, new modifiers that weren't there before, or the new powers that weren't present previously in Rifts. This was also before we did, um, at the time, Rifts still had um, a couple of extra, a couple of extra powers that you didn't have in other set in, in, in Savage Worlds core, right? So um, we had clairvoyance and illusion and telepathy normally in in Savage Rifts, but then with Suede, Suede came out and it has Mind Link, which is basically it has its own version of illusion. And then clairvoyance was sitting there and it was it was trying to figure out, hey, what do we do with that, right? Because are we just gonna add one power and you know Shane and I talked about it we sure that uh that the game was as swayed as possible and so uh one of the big things we decided to do was say hey you know what let's take clairvoyance and there's a lot of really cool stuff in in, in the original rifts lore i said i don't want we don't want to get rid of of it but let's turn it into um, a few different things so um, clairvoyance as a distinct separate power isn't the same but there are now clairvoyant dream visions which uh were written up for Arcana and Mississippi. And there are also different modifiers for the detect, uh, conceal Arcana power. So a, a player doesn't have to waste enough power. Types of effects. Um, 
as long as they can unlock that mega power, the, all the mega power mods. So um, the other big thing was at a certain point, I was going over this with, with Shane and he said, you know, this just, this is a direct interpretation of what we had in Savage Rifts before, but it doesn't follow the math that you get if you were going to extrapolate it from Suede. So for instance, um, the bolt power. Um, the if you the bolt starts at two d six damage, and then if you spend it's one power point. If you spend two more power points, it goes to three d six. So you'd think if you wanted to go to four d six, it should be two more. It should be four extra power points, right? Um, but then also, if you want to buy the heavy um, power modifier in order for it to deal heavy damage or mega damage, and as we call them rifts, then that's going to be a very expensive bolt to cast. And one of the things that we discussed was, hey, you know, they're already paying a premium by hitting the requirements and then taking the Master of Magic Edge, the Major Psionic, and then Master Psionic. Um, they need to get a discount on some of this stuff because they're not in a setting where heavy armor opponents. This is something that's very common in the setting. And so uh, there was a lot of discussion there on how how to redo a lot of these power modifiers, um, how to rewrite them so that they worked very, and they played nicely with the core rules. And um, one of the things that, that Shane emphasized is he wants he wanted to use and he wants to use this opportunity with Rifts to do a trial run for a lot of different mechanics that you're going to be seeing in other settings and other uh, companion books. So Rifts is basically a test bed since it has everything in it for all these other things. So the when you see these different power modifiers, don't be surprised if you see uh, other other settings with very, very similar power modifiers crop up. That makes sense. So like rituals and meditations and that kind of stuff. I don't know about that. I wrote that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so that was more me adapting some things that I thought were, you did ask about that and I apologize I didn't hit that specifically so one of the big things that i saw in riffs which um it's treated differently in the original release of the riffs role-playing game and in the riffs ultimate edition there's two different treatments and um uh, sean bercher had worked on um some some rules and um, for the meditations and the rituals and uh when we had this chance and a lot of things were i mean a lot of things have changed and so um I really blew it up into a whole section where you could basically do anything that was talked about in the original riffs. We basically have mechanics for now. So, um, and we've got more, right? Because you can also, uh, psychics can do meditations, which aren't, don't have quite the uber potential of a magic ritual, but um, magic rituals have their own uh, benefits and drawbacks that are possible. And then there's a lot of really cool, ley lines are completely um, and that's due primarily to player feedback of uh, their experiences using the the previous uh, ley line energy rules in their in their games. Um, and so um, I, 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 I took a really fresh look at that and discussed this with um, obviously with the team and and uh, this is this is what I came up with. Um, but I hope that people enjoy it because it's it's really I think mechanized in a hopefully pretty simple, easy to digest way. Um, also, you know, the idea, one of the big things that 
I have kept in mind uh, that's a consideration when we've been working on these different issues and updating things that I didn't mention before. It's basically number four on my list after, you know, staying true to Kevin's vision, uh, hat playing, making sure that it's it's swayed, elegant, rules, fast, fun, furious, uh, emphasizing the different themes of riffs and character role diversity. The number four for me was building a foundation for things to come. And so with the different region uh, source books that we'd like to do in the future with the world books that we'd like to continue doing um, and with the adventure and campaign modules that we want to release, we, we want to do a lot of really cool stuff for Rift. Uh, I thought that, you, that we really needed this in the core player's guide so that players could understand these mechanics if they wanted to dive into it. Yeah, that makes sense, uh, especially when you start talking about things starting to change like for example when you get into rune weapons and uh the bio modifications and all that kind of stuff that are down the line <laughs> exactly that's another thing right i mean if if, you, if we don't build the foundation really solidly here and we've learned a lot right um and so uh it's just able to take that one more iteration pass on the wonderful work that was done by the previous design team um so that we can prepare things for I mean, I don't think anyone realized how big Savage Rifts was going to be. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Um, I mean, in a very positive way. Um, but I don't think they realized that there would just be so much interest for it. And so I, uh, Shane and I talked about it. And that's part of the reason that he's putting so much effort and time and money into, into this revision is to make sure a lot of it, you know, and while trying to keep the cost low for, for the players, um, uh, through the Kickstarter, and uh, and and a lot of this is is so that it's going to be a really great game for years to come. Cool. Well, uh, I guess let's get into, of course, like you said, rebalancing the characters, human augmentation. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, if we, I'm uh, sorry, I'm starting to run. Sh I've got about another 45 minutes that I can stay on. I'll, sure. I'll cut that out in post. Um, so let's go ahead yeah, and yeah. focus on like the big ideas for the changes that you did with the different iconic frameworks. Sure, we can just step straight through if you want. I'm, I've got sure. The LPG doc open. Just go through alphabetically. Sounds good. And uh, I'll be uh, you know uh, with the. Uh, with the changes in the the design, I definitely uh, I like the alphabetic. I did like the how how the last one was broken up in kind of like you know D and D style. Here's your fighters, here's your mages, kind of thing. But the uh, the alphabetic actually is just much easier to use as a player. It is, you know, and and and, and the thing is, I think the original design team. I mean, I totally understand the decision process they used because that's exactly how it's laid out in the original Rifts RPG and in the Ultimate Edition. So, um, but yeah, we talked about it. And I mean, I just couldn't get used to it myself, to be honest. I just, my brain was like, didn't want to categorize in that way. And I, I got a lot of people that were saying they felt the same way. So yeah, we decided to, um, to and, and Shane was like, yes, let's do that. That's something I want it to be. So we just blast it, boom, straight through uh, alphabetical order. So with the Burster, um, Let's see. They have been changed a little bit. Um, I don't think that there's any big sweeping changes with the burster. The main consideration is that, um, that we did rebalance the bolt power um, along with the suede revisions. That was making sure that bolt was built on these core suede ideas that you're going to spend a, at least a little bit of power points on activating um, almost any power. 
and um, that you don't just get to do things as a free action, maybe one free action around, right? But whereas we had, you could just do something at will as many times as you want as a free action before. Now we've got a, an explicit limit there where you get with innate abilities, that new um, tag uh, for different abilities. Now, if it's an innate ability, you get to activate one innate ability down for free. So just making sure that keep things at least a little bit reasonable, right? Um, and so with the rebalance of the of the the standard bolt power um, came a look at hey how many dice of damage is is the bolt power doing because the base bolt burst blast um, all do two d six damage or three d six on a raise or if you upgrade it right and so we wanted to bring um, the the bursters bolt back into that similar realm um, so we decided uh, to do that. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's actually a base of 3d6. And so as they, as you get the different edges, um, the blaster edges, which can expand the dice, you spend some, it's a power modifier, basically edges that unlock power modifier, where you spend some more dice and you get bigger dice of damage. So, or sorry, not you spend some more dice, you spend some more power points and you get bigger dice of damage. And, and that's so that you're Leyline Walker feels like he's throwing a sphere of annihilation when he's throwing up your legendary blaster, right? Right. Um, because we didn't have that before. It was just that you, if you had access, you had it from the, from walking out the gate. But um, I think that flip characters, um, initial characters, are do a little less uh, damage unless they put their efforts into getting those those edges. And if they do put that effort into getting those edges, like the blaster edges, they're going to be even more powerful once they get to higher levels. So, um, you know, air quotes level. Um, and the burst is the same way. So that is a really big consideration. Um, a lot of this was you know, obviously just changing things to, to match the more of the suede wording. Um, one of the things that I think is really neat is the fire mastery is now, I think, a much more interesting ability for the burster. I don't know if you've noticed the differences there. Oh yeah, that it actually counts as fire manip or elemental manipulation now. So exactly. So before there was a power edge um, that was basically standing in for elemental manipulation, and one of the things that uh, that I tried to make sure, and we've talked about, you know, the, me and the, the rest of the team is making sure that no abilities recreate other abilities, right? Um, and so that's, we'll get to that when we get to like the Mystic, for instance. But one of the big things here was, hey, let's make sure that they get to do some really cool stuff with that and making sure that the, the you know, there wasn't a really awesome mega power version of elemental manipulation before. So now I think the, the elemental manipulation uh, mega power modifiers have some very cool effects. And I think that a burster could get very far just using um, the elemental fury and exalted manipulation modifiers for no ISP to um, affect their opponents and to deal damage. Um, one of the things that I think a, a lot of people miss is they're like, well, the bolt, the, the, the burster can't do a flame bolt for no ISP. Well, they can't technically do a flame bolt for no ISP, but if you use elemental manipulation, you can throw fire at people and it, and the fire's strength damage is equal to the strength of elemental manipulation, which is low. You're like, well, great. I can throw a D eight damage at somebody. Right. But, if you combine that with their everything burns power, where a target that catches fire takes 3d6 damage until doused, basically as long as you're getting a raise on those attacks, 
you're going to be lighting keep everyone on fire. Hmm. So that's going to be pretty. That's, that's an interesting combination. Yeah, I think uh, you know people from the uh, from the previous look kind of looked at the burster as kind of the glass cannon, right? That it could throw a whole lot of damage, um, but couldn't take it very hard. Yeah, and I, I think that um, that is not necessarily true, right? Because now um, you can't wear armor, right? But um, the burster can use protection, and so that and that does stack with their. So you can get a lot of extra armor <laughs> for your character, <laughs> especially if you make it toughness. Exactly. Yeah, I mean the the bursts are pretty mean, and you just really can't take his powers away. So, um, but yeah, that's the basic review of the burster. That's about it. And then, um, as with all of these characters, we have uh, stand, I've standardized the starting gear so that it should be easier to outfit your characters and kit them out. So there, uh, one of the discussions uh, that was up on the on the discussion threads was talking about like the use of the enemies complication because that's used a lot in a lot of the uh, um, yes. a lot of the things across the board. However, there there is some at least in my opinion some valid discussion on like I mean heck with some of the rules now you could be playing a burster for the coalition for example. Um, is there do you have any thoughts on the the widespread use of the enemy's uh, complication. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, there's in, and there's also um, like d your 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 DB complication, right? Your outsider complications um, that give basically penalties to bonuses or penalties to your persuasion checks. And so there's been a lot of talk about that because some some players. And, and I mean, this is Savage Worlds, right? So we're not, I'm not redoing, we're not redoing Savage Worlds. I mean, we just got the best edition in the game ever, in my opinion. Um, Definitely. And so I'm not going to give up on that. Uh, <laughs> um, and Shane would probably beat me up if I tried. But um, I agree, I totally agree with him. But I, I think that it, it, it is, it is correct to use, to be able to use these ability, these uh, hindrances for characters. Um and I, do, I think it does count. Um, but we want to make sure that it is lore-friendly. And a lot of times the, this, the, the rules are written very... Um, you know, if I, I, I could say narrow, but really I think the way to put a very focused, laser-like focus on the initial uh, design parameters of you're a member of the Tomorrow Legion, you're fighting the Coalition and the Federation of Magic in Arkansas, primarily, right? Um, I don't think that's bad. I think that was, again, my favorite game. Um, but uh, there's a lot of people that have come back and said, hey, I don't like how this works, or hey, this really isn't applicable in a lot of situations, so what's the point of the hindrance, right? Because if you leave this, this small region of the map and you go explore the megaverse, what does that mean, right? And so um, I, I went through and rewrote all of the enemies and... The different, you know, various wanted and similar things to make sure that they were a lot more broadly applied and easy to understand, and uh, it could be used in different ways depending on how the game master wants it. Okay, awesome, thanks. Yeah, and then that, that was a question of, in a lot of ways coming back to the lore. Cool. Uh, as we get going, there. Um, uh, 
sorry, I probably should have started with this. There, uh, and you'd mentioned it a little bit. Across the board, there has been a reduction in the uh, hero's journey roles, and you had talked about kind of in in sense focusing a little bit more on that survival horror. So I just wanted to bring that up before we continued going into the iconic frameworks. Absolutely, and and it's not just a reduction. Uh, I mean, in some cases, I mean, everyone based two heroes journey roles um and the idea was to standardize it um i think hero's journey is a really cool idea really fun um but i have seen people i mean i've seen hardcore gamers just they roll in it and they're having a lot of fun and then third fourth roll and they're like what how many times do i have to roll this <laughs> so um there, there's a question of hey how much is too much how much do we want to balance on this i think on the whole if you you know, crack open 1991 riffs, whatever, um, and you take a look. You're going to see that I think I still think that Savage riffs heroes are much more powerful than a lot of heroes were coming out in the original riffs. Um, but uh, this is one of those things that I am also approaching in the Game Master's Guide. That hey, you want to play a little more high-powered campaign? No problem. Now, now since these are all standardized, it's very easy to now say, okay, now give the players this much more right so hero's journey kind of becomes one of those dials that you can adjust exactly like the number of, of uh, points you get to build your superhero and the superpowers awesome okay combat cyborg roger so combat cyborg um there wasn't there's a little bit of a lore that i did here to make sure that people understood that there's a difference between a full conversion cyborg and a total conversion cyborg in, in riffs and the combat cyborg is a full conversion cyborg. So a lot of times you have a face and throat that is left um, or a head that's hidden behind their armored mask and helm and all that type of stuff. Um, in general here, this actually was a lot of work um, because a lot of this was written in a way that duplicated things that were in cybernetics, uh, the cybernetics section. So... Um, I went through and tried to make sure that there was less of that duplication because then the, the player might think, well, wait, I don't have this cybernetic system. Do I need to take it? Well, no, you've already got it, essentially. So now that's that's more explicit that you just have it. Um, like, for instance, a, adrenal system. There was the effects of adrenal system in the combat survival previously, but it was listed under a different ability. And instead, I eliminated that ability um, and ch or, or that portion of the ability and just put the adrenal system into the cybernetic enhancement of the combat so the cyborg starts with. Um, another big change um, is the way that the uh, armor bonus for the combat cyborg works. So now um, they, instead of MDC armor, they're seal. And it's, it's, it basically uses the exact same structure as the cybernetic upgrades themselves so that it's playing by the exact same rules as the cybernetic upgrades. But that means that the cyborg doesn't have the MDC that it used to. And that is counterbalanced by the fact that cyborgs can now wear cyborg body armor. I actually like that uh, addition and uh, just because within traditional rifts there are so many even variants of body armor that the cyborgs get especially getting up to the uh the coalition uh cyborg powered armor <laughs> yeah it gets a little crazy yeah and that's the idea right so 
um, you can still you can still do that. You can still customize your body armor, right? The cyborg doesn't miss out on on the journey chart armor if they use it. Um, there's there's a lot of considerations there, um, and in general, they're a little tougher, and that uh, coincides with a general suede um, shift in how vehicle um, armor and toughness and weapon damage has been handled, and uh, resulting shift in the base damage levels. A little, you'll notice that pistols and rifles. Pistols do a little more damage than they used to. P for quite a few weapons, and it's, it's a little bit different math game, right? With some of your Sorry, Sean, you just said one thing that caught my attention. You said that the they could now take advantage of the body armor hero's journey roll, but that's actually one of the ones that's not allowed for their second roll. I just figured I'd, I'd ask you that real quick. Right, um, but if you took the rich... Um, the rich uh, edge. Ah, okay. Okay, cool. Um, so, sorry to call you out on that. Um, so, now, building a baseline for the future, like you talked about, I, I'm i assuming the baseline of the combat cyborg will lead into some of the other cyborgs that traditional Rifts talks about, like the, uh, the gunslinger chassis and all that kind of stuff down the road. We'll see. Yeah, I'd really like to. Um, and I think that you know, in some ways, you would need to redo like the cybernetic enhancements list, for instance, right? And and add some of the new um, uh, cybernetic systems that are in that chassis. Um, that we don't have that appearing in uh, Empire, which basically covers that area right now. But that might be something that I actually I actually like to work on in the future as we can. I think that we will be able to do a lot more source books and region books for North America, even as we push out and do world books. Because there's been a lot of interest in, hey, can I get a map of a city and a campaign in Kingdale? You know, um, and so I, I think that's a really cool we sh we can do. Um, and so yeah, that's something I'd like to do more in the future, or you know, the the, the Triax cyborg body. Yeah, definitely. Which is kind of the the triax picture is kind of the standard one that everybody sees nowadays. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> All right, so the crazy. Okay, so here there's you know I think there's a few people that almost formed a lynch mob. Um... <laughs> get him! Get him! Burn him! Nope. Hey, he's a witch. Um, but uh, do you float? There was. There were some changes that came here. Um, so one of the things about the crazy is, and you know, I mean, I could get all types of hate for saying this, but I mean, we did get a lot of feedback that people were saying, hey, I'm never going to play a juicer because they die if I use my... And why would I do that anyways? Because I could play a crazy, get all the juicer advantages. Sure, I have to deal with, you know, going a little nuts, but I can also, uh, you know, I can lose it. And I've got essentially the mind melters powerless. So true, right? I mean, I again at the, at the beginning, I really just want to touch on a lot of this stuff. But the more realized, hey, we've got a backlog of. Um, I decided let's take a look at what the crazies like in rips, and so. Uh, if you look at the crazy and riffs, the original edition, um, you know, Palladium riffs, uh, it's a very different power list. And in fact, the crazy in in uh, in Palladium riffs 
uh, also didn't get basically they got half the cool stuff that the juicer did came to like their automatic dodge and or which you know or uncanny reflexes um or the strength or the different enhance you know agility and uh attribute enhance. so <clears throat> i i don't i i i like how this how the crazy functions on that as a super soldier as an augmented human um i did not want to change that uh essentially but um i thought that the power list for their psionic powers is definitely something that could be much more lore friendly and would probably bring things more um and so that power list has been cut down to be the equivalent of the original palladium list um, which i think actually works really well to balance the character because hey you're still a uh, and i and i wrote this in here i added a note i, I believe i added a note about how much they love to use uh techno wizardry items and i think that's also overlooked a lot is the fact that because they are minor psionics they are able to use techno wizardry items which juicers cannot use so i think this the crazy still has some crazy cool stuff it can do and maybe your crazy doesn't have an ability he can still buy you know uh his 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 shadow cloak or whatever so he can use items do you know techno wizardry do have those different types of powers so i think that the crazy is still in a really great place um and that's the high level philosophy behind the lot does that make does that make sense to you oh yeah it does uh i me personally i do i've liked the crazy from the beginning from the very first uh with the first version of it the one thing i thought the yeah the crazy seemed like a, a mixture of both the cyber knight and the juicer um but the one th there uh, a couple people do have a couple statements online that uh, maybe adding one or two more powers to the list to kind of give that feel of the crazy being like the psychic ninja kind of thing. Yes, and I absolutely agree with them. But the one thing I want to say is that a lot of times you need to think about these hero's journey roles, right? Um, so there is a hero's journey entry, which you can take your roles and you can choose the risk by giving roles and just choose one. So if you want your craze to be able to do that, it's very simple. All you do is take your hero's journey rolls and you spend them on choosing that hero's journey uh, table for psionics, where you can now choose any power not normally allowed your purpose. Actually, now that you say that, isn't that also what the new powers edge says from Swade? That you can choose two powers from your list or one power not from your list? Uh, let me double check Swade real quick. Don't think it says that. I think you're thinking of Leyline. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah, the new Mystic thing. Yeah, no, the the Leyline Walker of Magic. I forget what I call it. Um, new powers. It's the Arcane Academic Power. Ah, okay, that's what it was. Gotcha. But yeah, no, there. I mean, that's the thing is. Um, and sometimes there's a lot of discussions, right? There's a lot of stuff that try to make sure that I, I put these things out there. Um, sometimes I do read every single threads, um, and I respond to most threads, um, but sometimes I don't respond, uh, especially if I feel like I've already answered somewhere. I mean, I can only respond so many times. It, it, it's patronizing if I'm going to just repeat the same thing over and over on thread. Yeah, you're one person. Well, and I just don't, no, don't want to patronize. 
So uh, I guess a follow on one of the other questions with the crazy, the uh, gun nut edge. Um, in the past, allowed them to use any uh, any firearm uh, while uh, losing it, and now it's just restricted to handguns. Right. Um, so some of that is how that affects um, melee combat. And so uh, that was something that Shane and I worked out. Um, I think it fits the framework. Um, and I think it's actually still a really, really cool ability. I mean, uh, here we go, how do we say this? A lot of times I think people look at the previous edition and they think, oh, well, it was perfectly balanced, right? Why would you ever take anything away or change how something works? But it wasn't, right? Or else we wouldn't have gotten the feedback. We um, eh, valid. Right? And so the other thing is, is um, I mean, uh, suede works differently. There's a different philosophy behind it. And so uh, I think the power as it is is a really cool power. I hope people could still, I think, still be able to enjoy playing really awesome, crazy characters, especially if they make savvy hero's journey roles and, uh, and or take something like... Um, like the rich edge so that they can grab that you know some pretty sweet tw items or something okay out the gate um i think there's still some really cool builds that you can do crazy uh you just gotta you know take a couple of edges take advantage of uh, uh you know the way that you can make choices with your hero's journey rolls hey instead of making rolls you can just make a choice right and that's that's really cool uh that's still i think a very powerful option for building a crazy awesome okay Cool, Cyber Knight. I'm a current, that's my current oh, character. Awesome. Let me just put this out there. The Side Ghost is a race coming in um, Arcana, so and Mysticism. So you could also play a crazy Side Ghost. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, you want to be able to go intangible and invisible. There you go. Well, there, there's some there's some future knowledge there too. Yeah, that's the thing is a lot of the stuff that, that we're, we're working on. I mean, I just, I don't want to like say, this is definitively what's going to be in the book because I don't know what might change or get cut. I mean, not that we're, we're pretty much past that stage, but you know what I mean? Um, and I can't just, you know, it, it sometimes would be a laundry list if I list everything that could impact. But there's a, I mean, we're literally, um, I mean, if you look at the foes, Savage Foes, and um, if you look at Game Master's Handbook, they generally don't have edges core rules right anything like that so the three new books are 192 pages chock full of background material but also lots and lots and lots of edges and mechanics and gear and abilities and choices and races so there's i mean we're basically uh tripling the amount of material that people are going to have to access from awesome okay cyber knight so we kind of talked about the one big change that even the even i missed was the cyber armor they ignore the gritty damage uh the blood and gore rule so that's huge but it seems like everything yeah, else for them effects right roger i mean because what but okay uh and overall though the cyber knight doesn't look like it got a whole lot of changes no it didn't. Um, the Cybernite we thought was in a pretty good place, and the feedback that we got was similar. Um, there were some slight changes to the power list, um, and uh, the the way that they that the powers are now innate abilities. So you can only mm. activate one as a free action for a round. 
Um, and a lot of the, and, and, and one of the big changes that came to psionics I means Shane and I talked about this, but Shane really wanted to make sure that cyber, uh, that the psionics and magic were as riffs as possible. And so that's when I said, yes, actually there's some things that we could do here really cool. So there are, um, that you don't have the different power activators that you have to worry about with, with psychic characters, but a lot of their powers are limited to being able to activate the power on themselves. Um, now the awesome thing is, is because of the really cool new trapping rules we have in, in Savage Worlds Adventure Edition, that means that you're going to pay reduced power points costs when you activate the powers. So that's, there's some really cool stuff going on. Hood that means that it, there's a lot of economy that you're going to get out of these powers now that you didn't have before. Um, and, but you'll be applying them in a more friendly and I think interesting way. And it makes the characters way more interesting. It also makes the characters that can cast those powers on others way more interesting. So the Mystic and the Leyline Walker are now way more interesting. They're more of your boost the party kind of folks. Exactly. Exactly. So again, it's it's making sure that we, we are um, focused on core themes of the setting and for the characters. I mean, they have themes too, right? And then the role diversity that you want in a, in a, in a really cool player group. Cool. All right. So I do have to say, and it bodes well for the future, some of the changes to the dragon hatchling, making it less specific to one type and more generic. Yeah. I mean, it's there, there's, yeah, there's a, yeah. Generic is, I always, I'm afraid of that word, but um, yes, basically I rewrote more open. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I rewrote this to make sure that we could do dragon hatchlings in the future. Right. So lots of different ones as we go throughout the world and stuff like that. Um, and so um, that was one of the changes that I wanted to make. And then also take what was listed the set, the way it was listed before. And this is just a layout issue is there was a lot of abilities that were potential abilities that you could take that were essentially iconic edges, but they weren't listed as iconic edges. So I broke those out and moved them to the iconic edges section of the book and then uh, differentiated them so you could easily tell which ones apply to a fire dragon hatchling or just all dragon hatchlings. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually, there's a really good uh, fan supplement out there that has uh, kind of uh, morphs that uh, into something like this as well. So it's uh, good to see you guys looking at those kind of things. Oh, yeah, I didn't see the fan one, but that's cool. Um, and I'm excited that we're going to have... I, I'm still working on the... Uh, some of the stretch goal content, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about writing the, uh, different dragon races, um, really soon. So that, that, that'll be really cool to, you know, after everyone that was a stretch goal in the Kickstarter. That'd be awesome. awesome. Um, another, another big change was clarifying, um, the expand, the, well, giving the dragon expanded awareness so that they could detect arcanas. And, um, and I think that that fits. And at the same time, um, I was able to balance it out a little bit, um, but also, you know, deconflict some different things and make sure that you can see, hey, when a dragon does X, Y, or Z, is it an action? How many power points does it cost, right? Um, how does their flame, flame breath work? Is it interesting? Flash. So uh, hopefully, I think that in general, the dragon is, I think in general, pretty much the same. I think it's just going to be a lot, lot more clear uh, the way that a lot of things are written as you 
Cool. Sounds good. Anything else that you'd like to add for the dragon? Nope. I'm, I'm pretty good with that one. <laughs> All right, the Glitter Boy, one of my personal favorites. Um, I mean, definitely we see the, uh, the reduction in, or some changes to the boom gun damage uh, and things like that. But overall, uh, yeah. what was the big concept for the Glitter Boy? Well, I mean, you know, anybody who plays the game, um, especially if they played classic riffs, there was a big giant question mark why the boom gun was, was doing a medium burst template, um, a blast template. And so that was a big question mark. And um, I looked at the, you know, the fluff and, I was. I, I, I want to make sure that. I mean, I think. I think we're wonderful part of the setting, and so I wanted to make sure that the glitter boy was as glitter boy as possible. But at the same time, um, we have these issues with the boom gun, and you know a lot of ah the glitter boy just one shots everything, and he can fire without his 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 pylons, and it just it just uh, you know he just becomes shaky. So there's a lot of changes that happen here. Another thing that happens time is that the way that um, high-level high level math curves go when you're getting into um, vehicles in Savage Woods. Um, before, there was a bit of a disconnect between Rifts, Savage Rifts, and the Deluxe Edition and the way vehicle toughness were handled, weapons handled. So <clears throat> I really went back to the drawing board on this stuff and got the spreadsheets to prove it, but... Um, the idea here is that the boom gun has a little more AP, but um, that it does not no longer throws that around the Python, which is good because that also means people kind of weird. Um, and now it's considered a shotgun for innocent bystanders. So it fires a, a you know if no one's if people aren't familiar with it, this is a giant weapon, the most powerful weapon in the game, um, in the setting essentially. Um, that shoots 200 uh, flechettes at a target um, at like Mach 5 or something. Uh, so uh, this it, it makes sense that it does have a bit of a spread, but uh, burst template or blast template I don't think is, is necessarily the way to go, and especially with the feedback we're getting from players. Um, but I think that some of the upside of having a blast template um, and some of the original design considerations was you don't want want the glitter boy shooting at someone that their friend's standing next to, right? And so that's why we have them considered a shotgun for innocent bystanders, which basically doubles the chance of them hitting an ally uh, or an innocent bystander. Yep, that definitely makes sense. I think uh, just based off the fluff description of the armor itself, of course you got the laser resistant, but you could almost make an argument of making the glitter boy in the armor unstoppable. <laughs> I'm sorry, can you say that again? Well, I was going to, the, when you look at all the fluff on the Glitter Boy, of course, it's kind of like one of the plot armor things, but um, you sure. you could all, you know, with the chromium armor, you could almost make an argument of applying the unstoppable trait to a Glitter Boy character. Yes. Um, that, I think you could make that argument. Um, in this case... Don't. <laughs> I didn't want to go there, but um, 
I think that you that players will notice that the glitter boy has a lot more toughness and MDC armor than it used to. Um, well, the MDC armor went up, I think, a couple of points. The toughness went up, I think, four points. So um, the glitter boy also has pace listed for swimming um, and for jet assisted uh, boosts with their leaps. So I think that uh, the glitter boy's got some pretty cool stuff going on. And you have to also consider that. The, the with the um, with the wound cap setting rule that uh, 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 if a if a glitter boy pilot is built for it it's going to be hard and then you're going to have to run a bennies before you can really start wounding them right so true uh, two questions for you real quick um, so there's been a lot of discussion on the board about the like the powered armor jock uh, edge and yes. robot ace um, is there, are you has that discussion driven any thoughts on uh, modifying those edges at all? It has. Um, well, it's not about modifying the edges. I think that what what I want to do is modify the Mars frameworks to have special abilities. Oh. Just like the Cyberdoc and the Body Fixer are actually, you know, I don't know if you, you and we'll get that in there in a second, but how they are now very dedicated. I want to do the same. Okay. Awesome. Um, but oh, and one other note um, that I think is important for the Glitterborn is um, that if you fire the railgun and you have not dug in, you uh, the character will now become stunned. Oh yeah, I don't think a lot of people have seen that one, um, and the, that's a big deal. So yes, I think that's something that people should keep in mind that you shouldn't have glitter boys running around just popping off shots and being like, oh, I'm just shaking, because stunned is me. <laughs> that is true. Like, stunned is really me. So, uh, yeah, that should be not for him to recover. So uh, a, a futuring question, though, with the T-550 coming out, how does a Glitter Boy take the T-550? Um, you mean what's the difference with the T-550? Well, is it possible, so when we get the Empire of Humanity book, is it possible for a Glitter Boy pilot iconic framework to swap out the standard Glitter Boy for the Triax Glitter Boy? No. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so the, the, here's the thing. The, the USA G-10 Glitter Boy is, especially if you look at the Rift's Ultimate Edition, which I think... Um, Kevin did a really great write-up there to describe the, the lore behind the glitter board, but these are the legacy suits. Also, you will see the T550 is not as strong as the USG-10 in just straight numbers for the boom gun or for the armor itself. What it does gain is that it gains secondary weapon systems, um, but I don't think that a glitter board pilot would that's just my honest opinion. If they really, did, I mean, if they really did, they could with their game master permission. I think that would be great if someone had a good backstory. But I don't think it fits the core lore of the Glitter Boy and the pilot. Awesome. It's it's you know a fraternity of these different pilots that have been passed down from hero to hero. Um, I don't. Okay. Cool. All right. So the juicer. For the most part, uh, the juicer is fairly uh, in line with what he was. Of course, the big discussion is burn. So I'll turn it over to you, sir. 
Roger that. So yeah, churn was a big thing that we wanted to work on, and we gotten a lot of feedback. It was one of the most popular things that was developed for the original Savage Rifts. That was very much the love. Um, and I don't know if you know the story, but uh, it was basically the idea of John Wick, the game designer, to uh, to 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 turn it into a mechanic when he, when he was discussing it with the original design team, and they. They took that challenge and they said, hey, let's turn this into a game mechanic because John Wick, one of his big things is the system is setting. So your game system is your game setting. And I, I really agree with that. Um, and so what they ended up doing was coming up with a really cool mechanic where you could roll dice and burn out your character. And it was really awesome. Um, at the same time, we got a lot of feedback that in campaign play, people were just burn, you know, just running through all this burn. But I'm sorry, in, in, in say one off adventure play, they were burning through all this burn. But in campaign play, a lot of game masters were coming back and, hey, I've got this player and he's not taking his edges. He doesn't want to take his edges because he never wants to use the burn to, to activate them um, because he doesn't want his character to die. And at the same time, um, there are other groups that said, hey, this is awesome. This works great. We love it. No problem. Right. So um, we really looked high and low. Uh, and really went back to the drawing board and considered all options on this um, approach it. And we did some stuff that was really cool in playtesting, initial playtesting, uh, small group playtesting and stuff like that. But when we released it to the community at large, they pointed out, hey, we run through this and we're trying to break the rules and that's awesome, right? To get people, we're really good at breaking stuff. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, so yeah, we've got a lot of feedback. There's some issues here you can let this or game the system this way and so uh when i was out there in uh in arizona when shane flew me out there we he we actually were talking about it. there was i had one day left in town and uh, we were just hammering away at burn and it was one of those times when you had to kind of kill your babies i'd written up a whole new thing and shane said you know this just it's a little too complicated um i don't think you know someone just sits down at a table you hand them a juicer character sheet they're going to get it and we, we, I agree with you, he was right. Um, so we were really, me and, and Shane and Simon were hammering away at it. We were about to go out to dinner. Uh, he was taking uh, me out to dinner with his family and, and, and Simon's family to grab some steak the last night I was in, in Arizona. And uh, we were just all different types of ideas. Um, and Shane said, well, what if when you roll the D6 for the burn, you lose it if you roll a one? And that well, I heard that at first I was skeptical, but oh, man, that is, there's something really cool there, right? Because it's, it's essentially the same previous mechanic with, with a slight twist. And so worked out, Hey, you need to make sure that it's a separate role that you spend bennies on that as separately. But this is a way that um, a character can, can a, a player is going to be tempted to use that burn. And I think they're going to get a lot of mileage out of it. And they're going to be able to use it with their edges uh, their iconic edges, um, and then the the changes also cascade into last call. Last call is no longer a separate hindrance that's listed somewhere different in the book. It's right there in the in the uh, the juicer's description. And so as your juicer gets down to his last few burn, the burn die itself starts increasing. So your d6 goes to a d8, then a d10, then a d12 at the very end. And the cool thing about that is that each time you're using the burn, you're getting really cool effects even cooler effects than bigger numbers than you could have before. And you have less chance, progressively less chance to actually roll that final one. 
So the, the really awesome thing about that is that you can hopefully uh, finish out your character's arc with some really great heroics, not just a, a, a final uh, burnout, but uh, hopefully a series of really cool things that you can uh, fitting in for your character to choose from. Awesome. Yeah, the uh, burn was probably one of the coolest mechanics, I thought, coming out of uh, the Savage Rifts, uh, just because back in the day, Classic Rifts, the Juicers, yeah, they, they were supposed to be burning out, but they literally would last longer than a lot of the other characters because they were so powerful. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, it, it's very subjective, right? In the original Rifts, it was like uh, four years and so many D6 months or whatever, Um or three years and so many d6 months so yeah it it, it um it, depending on the length of your campaign it was really cool to have a mechanic for that so i was really it was really cool to see how they mechanized that in 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 the original uh the first edition of savage rifts um and with the utmost respect we returned to this to make sure that uh we could find that sweet spot integrate some of that feedback w without hope you know and in the end we we're able to do it with just a very elegant small tiny change that i mean took a lot of community effort and feedback and and work to get <laughs> awesome okay so let's talk the leyline walker llw so um the leyline walker did, did it wasn't there was there was something missing about it being unique from the other um arcane background magic or miracles type classes what's the difference right and uh or i should say frameworks right that's our word um but we all know what i mean uh and so there's re something really interesting there is that uh a lot of players were saying well hey I can't, why would i play a leyline walker why would i play a, a mind melter you know with the mystic i get something cool with the burster i get something cool that i can't get anywhere else right but with the leyline walker or the um mind melter i don't get anything special so we I look. I went back and I looked at the lore and I read about it. And I thought about it and and so that's when um, I came up with this arcane ap academic um, ability for the leyline walker, which allows them to a, a it doubles the PP you gains from the PowerPoint's edge and you start with the PowerPoint's edge and you start with rapid recharge. Um, not quite the same as major psionic where you also double the base ten uh, ISP that you get from your arcane background edge. But still, a big advantage, especially as the Leyline Walker um, continues to um, advance um, into you know the higher levels of ranks. Um, <clears throat> but uh, that that was one part of it. And then the other thing is is um, I'll just read this real quickly. When choosing the new PowerPoints Edge, they they may either gain three powers of up to one rank higher, or uh, than their current rank would normally allow. So you can get three powers. That's awesome. And they can be a one rank higher than normal, which is awesome as well, right? And uh, or they may choose one power of any rank not normally allowed by their power list. So um, the idea with this is, you know, with the GM's permission, when plot appropriate, and the 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 note here is access to an arcane library, tome or scroll of ancient knowledge, secrets man secrets man was not meant to know, etc. The Leyline Walker is now. It, it fits the, the 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 background material where he's the one that's off in the dark, dank, um, mystic libraries or finding the ancient scroll and able to go learn that because his power isn't intuitive. It's a skill, right? It's it's um, something that he's applying his knowledge um, 
and and his skill to um, as a sci- almost like a science. And so um, the ley line walker then is um, a much more interesting with that one ability, much more interesting caster. Now um, also uh, the there's a couple of notes. You know, people are like, well, that's still you don't have the energy from the uh, from from ley line. Uh, magic mastery before you could draw ppe from ley lines and we've changed how that functions basically it increases the rate at which you recharge um your magic unless you're doing a ritual or something like that so that, that's still something to consider you're on a ley line or if you're at a nexus point it's it's on a ley line it's doubled the rate of recharge and you have rest. um or if you're on a nexus point it's tripled so you can get a lot of energy back with your leyline walker um really fast they can be rejuvenated and ready for battle it's just not quite this every six seconds every round they can just be declaring multiple actions and stealing magic out of the air uh, that was a thing that a lot of we got a lot of feedback on that players are saying this is a really cool idea but it's just not quite working and it's, it, they felt like it was bogging things down and detracting from the gameplay so that is one big change that there is um and then the other thing to consider is that um, the Leyline Walker, along with the other magic users like the Mystic, uh, when they cast their Miracles powers, they have to use power activators, which include gestures and speech. And so this is, again, um, one of those mandates that Shane gave me. He said, hey, I want magic to be unique in Rifts. And I, he's, he doesn't know all the background, right? That's not his 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 shtick. Um, he loves Rifts, and he's learning a lot about it, but he doesn't. He he he. he you know, readily admits he hasn't read all 40 world books, right? And source books. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, and so that's where he's leaning on me a lot. And I said, yeah, actually, this is really, I really like that you're saying this because there's some really cool things that we can do here that are very lore appropriate. And I, I, I'd be really neat to see these in other Savage World settings. But um, with that added, I feel like there's now a really big difference um, when between playing a, 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 a a mystic or a mind melter or a ley line walker um and plus there's the the new rules where you have rituals and meditations and there's a lot of stuff a ley line walker can do with these rituals that are going to i think blow people's minds when they really start digging into it yeah and also actually something i was just thinking of too with the new suede rules that you can use a benny to gain ppe you know to gain power points um yes that kind of fits into it but just a random stream of thought have you ever thought of adding with the arcane academic also having that doubling apply to that benny spent um i didn't think about that that's something that um i will think about there's 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 a few other ways that's an interesting suggestion um there's a few other things though that you can short your powers when you're when you're casting the powers um that's a new thing for suede and there's also edges that allow you to reduce the power points cost when you're casting so there's a lot of ways that you can gain that that energy in in rifts in savage worlds in the suede um edition um and so right now i think we're at a pretty good spot but um that's that's a really good idea i like that if if, that'd be really simple um at the same time i have had a lot of people say hey that is a cool thing that someone can use in a backup situation but i don't know if i they want to they they said they were really leery about seeing that that mechanic being mechanized as a core way for a a caster to gain power points and i i kind of agree with that line of thought because I don't want to limit them to, oh, well, you don't get to use your bennies for all the other cool shit you can do in Savage Worlds, right? You have right. to be stacking them 
in order to use them for PowerPoints. And so I, I do agree with their thoughts in that in that regard. Awesome. I, I do like uh, the power activators being added as a complication and being spelled out because before it was kind of talked about or hinted at, but it never was really actually codified. So I, I do like that. Right. And that's and that's one of those things is it's easy to say, well, let's just treat that as a trapping of the setting. And a really good game master um, can keep that in mind. But I mean, I think I'm not bad of a game master, but it's hard for me to do that. And it's really great. I'm really excited about playing this edition myself. Right. Um, because it's really great to have those things kind of nailed down when it's a rule. You're like, oh, yeah, power activators. I mean, the, the, the Leyline Walker, the player can help you out, too, because they got it right there in front of them as well. So everybody's then is in on, on a system that is I think in general pretty easy to apply especially with the wonderful new entangled bound silenced rules in savage in savage worlds and swayed that are very explicitly spelled out um, as different conditions that your character can have affecting them it was really really awesome um, and very easy to write up these rules in a way that makes a lot of sense and people can apply that against the leyline walker or a, a miss a, a mystics miracles and things like that very easily as well because now they can go and say hey i'm gonna go grapple this guy and keep him from casting any more dang spells you know so that's a that's a really cool very riffs thing i think as well yeah no i i definitely like the simplicity of it one of the things i was thinking of when you were talking about the uh the arcane academic and being able to at gm's discretion get something not on their list that almost sounds like a valid uh, dramatic task <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think that if a GM wanted to do that, um, that is a great idea, right? Hey, guess what? You do this dramatic task in this in this special arcane vault that you've you guys have broken into, I'll let you use that ability of arcane academic to, you know, find the spell to resurrect your dead buddy, right? Yeah, exactly. Which normally only the mystic can do that, but the Leyline Walker now has ability to anything that, that you can get any power out there they can figure it out they can potentially find that and i think that gives uh but it, it's again it's tied into this this um the role play side of it too and i think that's uh, when you can blend those two i think that's a that's that's one of the big goals that we have right so that's cool well let, let's uh let's save mars for last so let's jump to the mind melter just sure. because it was also very similar to the leyline walker yes there's a lot of similar considerations. So, the Mind Melter, um, like most of the cast, most of the the psionics has has had some updates um, in that a lot of his abilities are only usable on himself, uh, range self limitation. Um, but that does reduce ISP costs, and I feel like it's 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 more like the flavor. Now, with the Mind Melter, one of the one of the problems we had wasn't with the Mind Melter's power list. It was with everyone else's power list that a lot of times just referred to the mind melter and or copied the list essentially and so that was where um i, I said you know what it, it's hard for him to be unique if everyone has can do everything right so that uh that was one of the things of looking at hey what can the what can the miracles do what can the the the, the psionics do better than anybody else right what can the the magic so um this is one of those things where I went back to the source material and and, and took a, a fresh look at it and the different power lists and, and, and stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> basically, the Mind Melters list is now essentially your super psionics. It includes all your super psionic type powers in the list as opposed to the, the list that we now have for the basic psionic 
or minor air quotes psionic framework um, the powers that are available to them so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, things here that another thing that we did um, is I added in the master um, of psionics so now they get a free re-roll on all trait rolls when using psychic abilities in their psionic um, now we don't allow re-rolling of critical failures and there's a lot of people, a lot of people that say oh we should be able to re-roll critical failures well you can't re-roll a critical failure if you're firing a gun uh, you can't re-roll a critical failure in any other time and, and you know Shane and I talked about it it's really to him it's really important that we critical failures are still critical failures right and yeah, so um, I mean I think so and, and when you really think about it in in game experience you remember those you remember those times when you ace and do some crazy awesome stuff, but you also remember those critical failures or the situations that, that result from them. Um, <clears throat> and so this is one where I felt like there was a chance to do something really cool. Um, another thing to, to touch on here is that there are also power modifiers. So we had telemechanics before, but now we also have mentally possess others. So now it doesn't list that only the way the requirements are built essentially out of the core book only the mind melter can take that power edge um and so the we have something that i thought was very iconic in riffs and if you read the old riffs novels and stuff like that um used to great effect um for the by by one of the villain is the ability to for a a, a very master psionic like a mind melter to be able to actually possess physically possess someone else's body and control it and so um that went through a lot of revisions where the players saw it but uh yeah we we worked on that cool um one of the things actually one of the recommendations that people had made in the past that i'm glad you guys added and it worked it works really well with the basic uh lore of the mind melter is that alter aura ability you know being able to conceal themselves yeah. so with alter aura we we you know i took a chance and i said hey you know I, I really like you know the, some of the things that we're doing, like the master of psionics uh, um, ability for the mind melter. But one of the big things is that they're supposed to be kind of that silent, invisible threat, just like the psionic powers are invisible, right? Um, and so Alter Aura, when I was going through some of the the um, core um, and original material, uh, I realized this is something that they really need to have that they can do at any time and not just conceal their arcana but they can mimic other signatures other other um, aura signatures and i thought that would be a really cool way to again differentiate a mind melter from a lot of other things um, one of the things that we have been talking about um, on the forums and i have been thinking about is biomanipulation which i think right now the biomanipulation powers that you find in the original riffs are fairly well represented using the different powers from Savage Worlds, um, especially with their Mega Power modifiers. But um, I have been looking at uh, the, uh, thinking about that. I just don't know if that's something that we're going to be able to to fit into this um, this this current um, work on the Tomorrow Legion Players Guide. I, I, um, uh, there's just so much that we could fit in, right? There's so much with riffs, <laughs> but we'll see where we can go in the future. Yeah, that's true, actually. When we were looking at uh, how to, you know, everybody was talking about how to tweak the mind melter. I think one of the concepts I was playing around with was making the mind melter the uh, iconic framework that fo focused on testing. And it could 
do its powers that that was kind of it's manipulating people mentally and stuff like that so mm, that's a really cool idea i like that too um and i i remember in suede the um what was it uh there was a lot of change the edges went through a lot of different changes but um oh yeah some of those social edges for for uh, testing are pretty awesome yeah strong-willed um to uh yeah there was strong-willed and then iron will and there's some really cool stuff that, that that's in there that went through a few different um versions um uh, but yeah no I, I i totally agree that that's that is there's a lot of edges that's the other thing there's a lot of edges that you can take that in suede that you know players don't normally i think a lot of times think of straight off the top of their head um that uh, can be very synergistic with these these new builds that a lot of people don't think of straight out the gate when they think about the applications of some of these abilities you need, really need to make sure you're going back to the basics and rereading through the power section for all the different ways you can short powers or the things you can do with power modifiers um, or the different edges that you can take like weird edges and power edges and professional edges there's a really a lot of of, of interesting character builds you can do now i believe i think suede is definitely a quite the superior game it's really awesome it's my favorite game to write for for sure yeah exactly with uh, the modifications you guys made to like dirty fighter and and the other one that allows you to do a test without the uh the uh, uh multi-action penalties and stuff like that those are pretty powerful yeah, there's some really cool stuff, and, and you know, there's a couple of times where even <laughs> I'm talking to Shane, and you know, and then we realize ah, we just did something that kind of steps on the toes of this other edge. So a lot, there's a lot of um, deconflicting things um, because so many things have changed and shifted. Um, but uh, in general, yeah, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff that we've got in here, especially with the, right, you're right, the new edges in in um, Savage Rifts that we've got. Um, so next up is the Mystic. Yep. And. I th there, there's been some people, you know, I think this happens any time that something is perceived to have been taken away from a character, right? Um, that people are like, ah, you're killing my favorite thing, and we're not trying to murder the mystic. <laughs> um, a lot of this was the result of keeping the rules elegant um, and the, using the suede foundation and the suede core design philosophies. There were a lot of um, trappings that they had access to before that were essentially other powers. They duplicated other powers or other edges, yeah. and that's that's very problematic, right? Oh yeah, definitely. So, um, what I I did think that there was some really cool stuff there. Um, also, Soul Blast was like, <laughs> depending on how you read it and how a game master applied it, could just be <laughs> it was hey, problematic. I got a lot of feedback about hey, that one. Hey, Glitter Boy, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, well, not that a Mystic shouldn't be able to, you know sock a glitter boy in the mouth every once in a while but um it was it was just yeah hey i don't care what that what's going on right so um and it just the way it functioned didn't it didn't function especially when compared to suede it didn't function off of suede principles so that's one of the things that when um, i reworked this i worked with shane and i said hey shane i want to make sure that this is using the same principles and so um that that's one of the things that that we've still got celestial silver we've still got the gift of life and we still got Soul Blast, and now they're Mystic Power Modifiers, only available to Mystic, so very unique, but they work off of the base core concepts, even if, they, for instance, Soul Blast, you get a huge reduction and increase to the amount of AP that you can apply to targets wearing body armor or power armor. Um, 
no, I didn't think that it was right that you could just soul blast through and attack someone in the middle of a battleship, right? So, um, that's that's not how that that as it was in, or that uh, power modifier I don't think was intended when it was written. So uh, we've gone back and taken a look at some of the different um, applications of it. But in general, I think that the Mystic still has some really cool stuff um, here because yeah. normally you have to declare your power your, your trapping when you when you take a power. But any Mystic player can switch out whatever trappings they've declared for their powers uh, for Celestial Silver, uh, which is really mean against uh, most of your supernatural evil and demons and things like vampires, stuff like that. Yeah, I definitely like when you look at the mystic, um, of course, like it uh, has almost the same uh, skill or powers list as the Leyline Walker, um, in addition to some actual pretty powerful psychic abilities like Puppet and Telekinesis. Yes, so they, they have Puppet, they have telekinesis, um, so they're getting some really cool stuff off the mind melters list. They're getting most of the the core stuff off of the leyline walker or general magic list, and um, they also have access to resurrection. And no one else has that. Yeah, because that's not a small thing. Right, that's not a small thing. Now, again, if a leyline walker is using his arcane academic um, ability, and and it's the game master think it fits the plot and the narrative. That could, for instance, they could get that ability. But in general, um, the Mystic's the one that has a guaranteed access to that once they hit, um, I think it's heroic rank. So that's that's a really cool thing, I think, for the Mystic that should not be under, uh, you know, under appreciated. Um, there were some, uh, the Mystic Senses, Expanded Awareness, um, actually got some interesting um, changes to them. And so uh, they get bonuses for those roles um which i i don't really know if i've had many people talk about that um we did decide that cosmic confluence was going to be point for point when they shift it's not there's uh it's a very very clean shift when they're when they're uh, converting those powerpoints between isp and ppe less and public helps. math <laughs> yes less math and it also it makes them the masters of that economy right um and then uh and that gives them also a big power reserve so they can shift their points back and forth as they need. Um, and then spiritual channel, I think, is still a really great ability. And when you look at, when you guys get a hold, get your hands on the uh, Arcana and Mysticism book, um, and I think there's some stuff in Blood and Banes as well, I think a lot of players are going to be like, oh, wow, with the addition of the Dream Visions and uh, the ability to take uh, an edge to join the Grey Seer faction. There's a lot of cool stuff that's coming down the pipeline for the Mystic as well. So I think it's still a very, very unique, flavorful, um, interesting, uh, you know, framework to play. And I think that they can definitely hang with the big boys in a lot of really great ways uh, if you build them right. Yeah, uh, Dustin Smith from Atomic Ninja Games, he actually... uh... Uh, introduced a character in the uh, in the past for kind of the show but it was based off one he played that focused around not healing but actually like using his divination to being kind of like the uh, um, kind of like the old school Batman the person who finds things and all that kind of stuff it seemed kind of interesting yeah I think it's really cool and um, there's a lot of really neat stuff you can do with with powers like that um, that I think the mystic is there's a lot of really cool um, things you can do with the mystic with uh, that direction as well absolutely um, especially when you look at the, like object reading and um, the different types of powers that they've got like mind reading 
um, mind link. Uh, it's it, there's a lot of really empathy. There's a lot of neat things that it can do. Um, no, so techno wizard. Uh, the one or thing, you yeah, the one thing I had about the mystic I thought was interesting is looking back through the original um, class in Rifts, I think the mystic was one of the least powerful and least often played uh, of the magic users in the original Rifts from what I saw. It was. It wasn't your choice for most power gamers. Um, and it was weird because for a while I was getting this feedback that people were like, wow, people are, these people are playing. Why would you play a ley line walk where you can take a mystic and use soul blast and nuke anything. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't think that was the intention of the original design. Team. Um, and so I think they wanted to give it teeth, but I don't think they meant that to happen exactly that way. Now you can still do, I think there's still merit to that. Right. If you want to go the blaster edge route, combining that with soul blast and celestial silver, you can get a lot of mileage. Um, <laughs> uh, exactly. But um, I, I think that there is a little more balance that we brought to the issue. And it's a little closer to the original um, vision, I think, um, that Kevin had. I actually think it's a lot closer to the original vision that Kevin had, where it can hold its own, but it's actually less power focused and more of the thinking man's arcane character as opposed to the Leyline Walker or the Mind Melter. Agreed. So, as you were about to say, Techno Wizards. Now, I would definitely say if uh, if my dog boy uh, Cyber Knight goes under, I think uh, Dwarven Techno Wizard will be in my future. But uh, just from the looks <laughs> of it, the it looks like the main modification uh, has been the changes to how weird science stuff works in Suede. Is that... Yeah, so... Uh, I didn't now now there's been a lot of changes to how weird science works in suede but the way techno wizard was written um, if you could parse it because I had a lot of feedback where people were like techno wizard make it better and I'm like what do you mean what do you mean make it better I don't understand what you need me to clarify and they're like well I don't understand it <laughs> and so I rewrote a lot of this to just try and make sure that we were really careful with exactly um, how we referred to different abilities and powers and uh, that they had. And so um, that was one of the core considerations with the techno wizard was just cleaning up that language. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we wanted to make sure that this was a really fun um, character to be able to play. Um, let's see. Uh, the other thing was making sure that the way that the TW build rolls um, and the gear conversion rules worked is that they would be a lot more intuitive for the players because one of that was again one of the complaints is they did players were getting really hung up on the exact mechanics and how to step through it so um just went through and and you know bolded some some header titles and and things like that and tried to step through it in a little a little um hopefully uh clearer order um i i really like the design work that was done on this this framework i thought it was a really great implementation for savage worlds and so this was a lot of just uh incorporating some feedback and and hearing from people and just making sure that they thought hey you know what this is a little clear this is something i understand and it's something that uh more people can get into um there there also were some ancillary changes when um the uh the the power edge um, for telemechanics changed a bit. Um, uh, and, you know, Shane and I had a lot of discussions about it and worked through some different revisions of it and stuff. We wanted to clarify it. We also wanted to make sure that it was one edge worth of stuff. 
um, because it had a, it, it was it was duplicating a lot of things like for instance the equivalent of the ace um, edge if you were a techno wizard or or a tele, someone with telemechanics and along with that um, came a reduction in the equivalent ability of machine maestro and so you know through playtesting we're taking a look at that because some people are saying hey well with the action point economy and the, the multi-action penalty economy um and with a techno wizard that it's harder for them to build the item and then activate it um like they could before with which you know a lot of players looked at some of the bonuses from machine maestro as helping to you know and it was written intentionally to help offset things like that um and so we're taking a look and we're still definitely open to feedback here. Um, I'm definitely open if players think that that is uh, something that's really negatively in, impacting Techno Wizards. But, you know, a lot of this, I think Techno Wizards as written are extremely powerful. I've, I have had one in a, a campaign. And yes, a lot of times you need to have planned out what devices and, uh, you know, gizmos and gadgets that you're going to have prepped for a battle. Uh, or an adventure so that you wouldn't have to be building them or at least all of them in the middle of the combat. But um, I still think that that is something that really in, 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 in the original Palladium rifts, that, that there wasn't something you could really do on the fly the same way. So I think that you've still got a lot of really great mileage for a character that can do a lot of really kick-ass stuff. Agreed. Uh, I think the Arcane Machinist is one of the coolest uh, abilities that they came up with, just even though, you know, they have very limited access to their gadgets, but then you can pretty much make anything your list. That provides a level of flexibility that I don't think can be matched by any other class. It can't, because you, you essentially get access to your the, the class's entire power list from day one in the middle of a combat. I mean, that's, I think that that's one of the things where I'm saying, hey, I'm, I'm open to maybe doing something about the multi-action penalty, but I'm really not, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say like Crimea River or whatever, but I'm, I'm not losing much sleep over it because either way, I think that a lot of players underestimate the profound um, ability that Arcane Machinist uh, you know, provides for a Techno Wizard. Um, and I just think it's, I think between that and their Techno Wizardry, gear conversion and upgrade options uh, also they're going to get free access to um, minor and major um, item creation edges coming in Ar arcane and mysticism i just i don't see this as being a weak class or a, you know framework at all yeah the one of the questions I did have was with the Techno Wizard conversions versus like actual magic item creations. Um, can you sure. go into that a little bit? Um, I'd rather not. <laughs> not. I mean, if we want to do something maybe in the future on that, it's just that's a whole other system. I'd, okay. I'd rather cut this for now. <laughs> no, no, that's 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 completely understandable. Um, and and to be fair, Simon is going through that manuscript right now, right? So that's one of those things I, in case he comes back and he says, Hey, let's, what about this and this and this? I, I don't want to speak to it when, um, you know, the, the kind of final pass on executive review has happened. Oh yeah. I completely understand that. Um, it, it is kind of funny. One of the things, um, from at least a, uh, opinion of mine from the original riffs was the whole thing. It seems like, uh, 
a lot of people with Savage Rifts goes, hey, let's just make, you know, Techno Wizard powered armor. And that was one of the things, I think, in basic Rifts that, until you got to the actual Tolkien War, didn't really exist much. <laughs> right. I mean, the idea with the Techno Wizard in, in Palladium Rifts was, they, I mean, they had a lot of spells, right? They had a lot of things you could build, but it was really kind of one of these hey, you're going to tinker and customize, and right? And so I think Savage Worlds is uniquely, uh, in my opinion, uniquely uh, a system uniquely built for doing things like that. And so I think that you have the ability to basically imbue any power in your power list um, and, and all these different bonuses and stuff into items. Um, but in, 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 um, in Arcana and Mysticism, as well as there's a little bit in Empires of Humanity, a little Blood and Banes, um, you're going to see uh, a lot of Techno Wizardry market items coming, uh, being listed there, and vehicles, power armor, weapons. Um, the even in, in Empires of Humanity now, one of the stretch goals was the Momano Headhunter, which they use Techno Wizardry Bionics, their own special brand of, of Bionics. So I think there's some really cool stuff that players are going to really enjoy when they get their hands on it oh that's cool um <laughs> I thought it was... yeah uh so before we jump into mars though uh since we just talked about all the powers users primarily so how does the the core arcane backgrounds from suede differ from the modifications for the uh iconic frameworks right so there's the addition of the um arcane background gifted which is essentially superpowers um, using the base suede rules, right? Um, or innate powers for a, 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 play, a character. Um, and so the way that we approach that, um, and a, especially after um, player feedback and stuff, was that uh, we were going to make sure that that was something that... Okay, I need to wrap it up real quick. My buddy just arrived. Um so um so basically the 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 idea there with especially after we've gotten a lot of player feedback is is you only start with one power when you take the um that arcane background but it's it you don't use ppe you don't use isp we're going back to just powerpoints with that um that's an update that's that's in the works and you're you access you get access to the mega power modifiers for the powers that you you get through that background so again this is a way for you to say hey if i you want to have a character that your supers type character superhero type character uh this is a way that you can do that um and then with the weird science background um i thought it really there was a lot of discussion and i thought it'd be really neat if we could have something that i don't want to you know duplicate the techno wizard but, but I thought that they did some really neat stuff um, so that it's a very different background now in in Suede. So we've basically applied it in a way that you don't get access to Mega Power modifiers, but it's not magically based um, necessarily. It's meant to re represent mundane science or super science, right? I don't, you know, don't want to give it a short shrift, but 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 yeah, you can you have an option for someone who's more of a, just a, an actual scientist technician tinker or tony stark type character can do some really cool stuff and you may not get access to all the mega power modifiers but hey you've got your your technology based character has access to 
all the power list if you can make a device for it, right? So that that and then we've got some other updates coming with that. Um, but I think that's a that's a really unique way to apply it, right? Yeah. In fact, uh, my friend Blyes was asking you if uh, somebody like a cyborg could actually use weird science devices now. <laughs> No, and so he, some of the stuff that he talked, and um, I, I, I think it was the forum user fpunkdam. Um, there were some really great ideas and write-ups that people did, and we, I really appreciate that type of stuff because it's really interesting to see how the community thinks that hey, we should phrase it this way; it's a little more clear. Um, and sometimes, if we may not apply the, the modifiers with using the exact language they did, but we really like the core idea that the, the community is sharing with us, right? So, um, in the case of now, you know, this is all uh, still under playtest, but in the case of the arcane background, um, weird science, you, you know, that, that if, if, if someone that's using magic or psionics goes and tries to, to dispel or drain PowerPoints or otherwise disrupt your, your, your machinery, then they have a, they have a larger penalty than normal, um, under those power of those powers for dealing with a different arcane background. Now they're dealing with something that's not even technically magical, right? So they're, they're actually applying their powers in a very different way. Um, and so we've been, we've really, we've really liked the ideas that are coming from the community in that respect. Cool. Well, uh, like you said, I know you need to go, so you can actually run a Savage Rifts game yourself. Uh, anything else you want to <laughs> say in closing? I would like to, to get back together with you real soon and see if we can chat and finish up a little bit of discussion on the Mars frameworks. Um, that's a whole nother discussion, but it's been really great chatting with you. I just wanted to kind of get this chance to talk about everything in a holistic fashion, and I hope that everybody um, can understand a little better the, the kind of the mechanical design philosophies and the thematic design philosophies that have driven a lot of these changes, because a lot of players have been asking about that, and, and really um, my role has changed from being just a contributor and writer to being... Um, you know, basically a lot of the core decision maker on a lot of these things in the end after feedback um, and guidance from the pinnacle, the core pinnacle staff and, and designers. So um, yeah, I wanted to share all those ideas and thoughts with everybody. Awesome, Sean. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll try to get together uh, sometime. Probably it'll be after I get to North Dakota so we can talk about <laughs> Mars and uh, also talk about uh, DBs. Yeah, DBs, Mars, absolutely. Maybe go over some of the changes uh, with gear and cybernetics and stuff. But yeah, buddy, that sounds great, Sean. Well, hey, good luck with the, the move. If you have any refugee questions, would like to leave a mission report, or submit a Legionnaire for Legionnaire's Last Call, please email me at voiceofhopepodcast at gmail.com. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area and interested in Savage Rifts or Savage Worlds, please look up the Facebook group, The Capital Savages. And finally, please join our community at MeWe Savage Rifts and check out savagerifts.com, the premier Savage Worlds play-by-post. The Voice of Hope is a Savage Rest fan podcast. The music and intro and prologue are Killers and Rhinos theme by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. The background sound effects are created by Sirenscape. Savage Worlds and Deadlands are copyrighted 2016 and trademarked to Pinnacle Entertainment Group, all rights reserved. Rifts in the Megaverse are registered trademarks of Palladium Books.